This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Saturday to you, Mike McNamara, for a Saturday edition of All Marine Radio. Uh, Tim, Will, and Jeff are going to join me here in a matter of moments. So, uh, thought we would give us your thoughts. On, give us. I thought we'd give you our thoughts relative to like evacuation corridors and um, how do you segregate Russian oil in the world market? How does that happen? So, anyhow. Uh, we'll endeavor to do that and uh, as we do try to do it's like try to make sense of what's going on the best we can so without further ado my friends the Mensa brothers join me on a Saturday right now it is Saturday but there's a war going on so we continue to uh get together and talk about the, the events of the day and hopefully shine a light on you. On And it, I, I just want to thank everybody for all the emails that people have sent, um, thanking, you know, uh, us for doing this. You know, first of all, I want to thank my friends for, for doing this. You know, Jeffrey hopping on even while he's at his mother's birthday, Will and Tim making themselves available uh, every day to do this. And uh, Who said it, we were friends? That's what I... We're friends. You may not like it, <laughs> right? You may not know it. We're friends, right? We're the, the, probably the three of the five friends you have on the fucking planet. Um, but uh, exactly, <laughs> Will's counting them. Five, maybe four, um, uh, three and a half. Um, so, uh, so let me pass on everybody's thanks to you. And and you know, somebody sent me a note and they said, you know, we're not for you guys. This whole idea of being encircled you know, sounds absolutely terrifying. You guys, though, point to history and point to the spirit of the Ukrainian people and how many Russian soldiers are in the, uh, in the country, and you, make, you paint a much more realistic picture, and that's what I love about listening to you. And so um, I'd be careful about using the word love in terms of listening to us, um, but, uh, yeah, this is like, I mean, we. I mean, we studied this stuff. We can take you through historical examples of that region specifically, and how those cities never caved in, and uh, and then really troop to task stuff is pretty basic stuff. And then, you know, trying to take down a big city um, is not the easiest thing. So, you don't have to be that smart to do that. To do that, just so everybody knows. But um, but thank you. 
Um, so joining me, I don't even know where he's at. Las Vegas, Southern California. Jeff, where are you at? I'm in Southern California, just south of you. All right. San Clemente. I'm headed down there later today. Maybe we'll get together, have coffee or whatever. Maybe. I got to go south and uh, get stuff, but I'll, I'll be back. So just let me know where you are when. Okay. Right. Yeah, we can right. do that. Give yeah. us a give us a final update on your mom's birthday. Was it a was it a successful week? Everybody did. Was there any fighting that started? The more time time people spent together, did you guys uh, thread that needle well, or what happened? Yeah, there's there is no uh, there's no fighting. It's because um, what most of the spleen chewers most of the spleen chewers on my mom's side of the family have passed away, except for my mom, and even she didn't. So it was very. You know, it's friendly and peaceful, and uh, that was good. I see my brother was good. I got a chance to bust his balls. And how did everybody? You know, how did everybody it. react to that kind of peace and love? Because that's not normally the way Italian Irish families get together. Well, because uh, because there wasn't that many of us. Just my my <laughs> uncle, my uncle and my, my uncle and my aunt, and uh, my mom and my brother and me, and that was it. And you know, so <laughs> you know, it was pretty. Uh, Quiet. My sister wasn't there. She's usually injects uh, the spirit of uh, of um, acrimony to the to the uh, you know to get-togethers, and she likes to present uh, false narratives of our past. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I think I time. think that is largely a female quality. I don't mean to sound overly sexist here, but yeah. if you hear my sisters talk about the way we grew up, I looked at I looked yeah. at him. I said, I said, you guys are fucking crazy, man. Like, yeah. at what point do you become responsible for your shit, man? Mom was a great mom. I said, I remember going to your B-team volleyball games. I said that to my older sister. I said, yeah. you sucked, man. And you didn't play that much. <laughs> and, and and I remember we had to go because that's what, you know, that's the way yeah. we did it. I said, we all grew up in the yeah. same house. And But you hear the narrative. I think that's like in every family, people do that, right? You don't want to take control of your mm-hmm. own shit, man. So you got to unload it on somebody. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, and I have other friends. We talk about that too. My roommate in college says you should hear the shit my sisters say. I said I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if guys have the same problems uh, or whatever. But anyway, so there's Jeffrey. You know, and a little, it, hey, yeah. what is it? You you use the word spleen chewers. Yeah, yeah, spleen chewer. Somebody who's always in a bad mood and uh, is like uh, takes takes things the wrong way. I'm like I'm kind of a spleen chewer. I'll admit it. You know. I grew up venting their spleen and then yeah, chewing yeah. on it. Oh, yeah. It's a, well done, it's a Will. Expression that means, See, you know what? That's why Will went to the Naval well, Academy. Will He's that guy. Will knows because I vented my spleen on him a plethora of times, many times. You know, so. And the good thing about usually, when you do, you good thing when you do it with Will, you always get a sympathetic shoulder and a comforting hug, and <laughs> we we'll get through this together, buddy. And a hearty go went, fuck yourself. <laughs> Well, because when people witness it and when other people witness it, even if they think you're wrong, they think, yeah, but Will's got to come in for, you know, for other shit. So let him take it. (laughs) Constant. Think about it, folks. Constant weenie. One of the most apropos nicknames ever at the basic school. Okay. And I'll never forget the first time I heard it. Stop me dead in my tracks. Lieutenant thought I was pissed when I asked him to repeat it. What did you just say? I said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Come to the light. What did you, does everybody call him that? Oh, yes, sir. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, to be, to be fair, 
You should probably. What do you mean? To be fair, to be fair, when was that ever part of this agenda, Jeffrey? And why do you always get weak? Why do you always get weak knee when I tee Will up for you? Yeah, where the hell's Jeff? Yeah, because he's not on. He's not on. Yeah, every time I tee Will up, Jeff goes weak kneed and gives him a nice little hug. No, that's not true. That is not true. I just know him better than anybody on this podcast. And so, uh, you know, um, so I, I feel propriety. If anyone's going to fuck with that guy, it's going to be me. Thank you. <laughs> what are you? What are you? You're his wife? <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, we go way back. You're his, he, you're his he, hetero, we were, hetero life partner? What the fuck? We were in Egypt to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. As, I just went through shit with the guy. So, you know, uh-huh. um, you don't know that. I can say two things. One. I'll fuck with Will, and number two, you don't know the half of it. So there you go. <laughs> All right, hey Jeff, I think your microphone's turned a little bit. I don't know because you sound a little bit muffled. How about today. now? That's better. How about right. now? You, you know what that means, Mac. You know what that means. How exciting! Tim's in McAllen, Texas, this morning. Um, how's the weather, Tim? What's it going to be like today? Going to be sunny and hot, and I've and I've been. Uh, um, I just got a good some good footage. I got to look at it when we get done. Good footage of uh, one of our broad tail hawks coming down and 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 uh, commencing to do some predations because we still got those big gigantic towers of broad tail hawks. They're here all winter, and and lately Wait a minute, I thought it was a, I thought it was a kettle. Kettle, yeah, the big old kettles, the kettles of hawks. But they're now now I'm watching them. They're starting to 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 start raiding. Uh, nests, all the all the uh, songbirds and parakeets and stuff like that. They're all having babies. They're sprouting right about now in the, in South Texas, and those hawks are making some interesting runs. I'm gonna have to go out and get some footage, man. But uh, but that yeah, sounds, I'm all, all sounds, pumped up about the about the raptors. That sounds exciting. Um, yeah. Will from a, a suburb in Kansas. Will Costantini. Will, good morning, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, still morning here. Ro- great. Roger. You're great? <laughs> All right. Grand. Got it. All right, Tim, I want to talk about the general situation. You want to talk about... That's the longest I think we've ever, ever self-adulated in the history of the program. <laughs> Marine Corps infantry officers listening will very much appreciate it, I'm sure. And let me tell you, not not any of it's bullshit either, just so everybody uh-huh. knows. It's, that's all, everything we fucking talked about is true, and it was that, it was that good. And Will okay. can attest to that. Yeah, he supported us, as, yeah. as he's often done in the past and continues to do now. Yeah, Will became the commanding officer Get off of, the dick. <laughs> of EI. My, uh, my back has been killing me for 30 years for carrying you fuckers. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my emphasis was on the supporting role, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's, <laughs> we're not even getting warmed up here. So let me go over what's happened the last 24 hours from outside of the country. The first, number one, uh, Russian Defense Ministry has said that all foreign citizens fighting in Ukraine will not be considered legal combatants and not protected under international law. That's interesting. I've already seen the first tweet from American uh, allegedly special forces operators in this uh, uh, Kiev with their faces all blurred out because you know how special forces guys are. Right. So we, we don't know how many are in there. But when the Russians get their hands on them, it does not sound like it will go well for them. Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, and by the way, admonishments to Jeff for not allowing, for not correcting all of our Ukrainian pronunciations, seeing how your wife's Ukrainian. 
But uh, he's declared that that Belarusian troops will not enter into the fray, which, as we know, is probably a good indication that they're in the fray. Um, NATO rejected the Ukraine's request to establish a no-fly zone over Ukraine. I will now insert the latest Rasmussen poll, quote, if a wider war breaks out in Europe, should the U.S. military be involved? All voters, yes. By economic strata, under 30K, 37%. 30 to 50K, 48%. 50 to 100K, 51%. 100, 200K, 52%. Over 200K, 66%. So the more money you have, the more you're inclined to want to see us get involved in this conflict. And that's not a good thing. Talks about humanitarian corridors have collapsed, which opens up the inevitable humanitarian concerns tranche of, of international coverage. So that will be pleasant to watch in the future. But uh, I would seriously doubt humanitarian corridors are ever opened up. It would be in direct, not in the interest of Russia. Um, the U.S. Department of Defense has, has established a deconfliction line with its Russian counterparts to prevent accidental escalations near the Ukrainian and Belarusian borders. No further details on that. That's just a blurb that I was able to find out of one of these uh, aggregators. Finland and Sweden continue high-level discussions on NATO membership. And as part of this, this is interesting, uh, the Finnish president, who I will not attempt to pronounce his name, was in D.C. meeting with uh, President Biden yesterday. The Nordic Council of Ministers have suspended all cooperation with Russia and Belarus on all projects, economic, etc. Denmark Finland, Iceway, Norway, and the Faroe Islands, Greenland, and the autonomous island of Åland all comprise the Nordic Council. I didn't know there was autonomous islands, nor did I know that the four islands were a separate entity. It's interesting. The Finnish defense minister is set to meet with U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin um, on the 7th through 9th March, discussing defense relationships, obviously. And the defense minister will also be visiting Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth and Eglin Air Force in Florida to assess the F-35 fleet. That's interesting. And the Swedish Prime Minister and Minister of Defense, along with the Finnish Minister and uh, Prime Minister and Minister of Defense, are starting their bilateral security talks uh, today, I guess after returning from talking to uh, our fearless leader. For the first hey, time- Tim, which, Sweden, uh, which defense minister was looking at F-35? That was the Finnish defense minister, Mr. Kai Kokanin. Jeff's wife should be helping us pronounce this, by the way. Yeah, I just, I mean, you think about it, that's pretty interesting. Right? It is. Finland, neutral. Yeah. Uh, the I, Well, I'm just thinking, the idea that we would open up the, uh, the technology to uh, people that have not been allies, you know, the, the, it just, that, that, uh, anyways, that should give people pause. Yeah, no, that 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 is all this stuff is gives people pause, and that's a. I want to I want to come back to that in a second. Okay, so now going going back into what uh, uh, what's interesting from the outside is, on the cyber warfare front, the lack of of really a, an appreciable assault when Russia attacked Georgia in two thousand eight and Ukraine in twenty fourteen, it came with sophisticated cyber attacks that reconnected rerouted all their internet traffic and made the uh, the communication networks in both countries fail. That hasn't happened. Um, and, and most of the experts thought there was there was uh, Russian stuff pre-existing in the network that caused disruptions. And it has. The, uh, the, the, the Ukrainians 
have detected a couple of the hermetic wizard uh, programs within some of their systems, but minus the wiper that no, the not Pieta, uh, which is a 2017 cyber attack from Russia, not that follow on hermetic wipe stuff that wipes out networks. So it's a very curious in response, Ukraine has tried to mobilize uh, uh, civilian hackers from around the world who have been periodically reaching into Russia with denial of service attacks on the banking systems and stuff like that, which is kind of a cause of concern because Russia does have a cyber nuclear option. I believe it's something to do with that uh, with that same not Pieta virus type uh, of, of, uh, of an option. And they haven't used it yet. Nobody's really sure why they haven't used it yet, but they what the what the smart guys in DC are worried about is this uh, creating a forever cyber war with various hacker entities launching into states uh, systems in support of the Ukraine. Um, also, the, my, my final bit here is on drones. We got a little bit more clarity on what the drones are. They appear to be mostly the Bayraktar uh, TB2 out of, out of Turkey. I don't know how many they have. It is a shooter as well as an identifier. Um, it's not very big. It's it's small. It's it looks like a like a little tiny OV10. Got a low profile, hard to detect, cheap to produce, effective. All the shit, all the things that ours are not. But um, at the strategic level, quoting now Emil Kotlarski, an infantry specialist for Jane's, all the drones are doing for them, the Ukrainians, is making them lose less fast than we expected them to, because they're still losing. And with that bit of cold reality water splashed in your face, I want to I want to to ask uh, permission to later on return to uh, a rant. I want to talk about the over reliance on the ash, rational actor theory when we're talking about Putin. But I'd like to do that after a, I've heard the calming voice of Jeff and and Will uh, chew through the, the 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 word of the day because I got a rant I want to go on if if I if I'm allowed. All right. The, um, oh, goody. One more update. This is like seven minutes old. Uh, Prime Minister Bennett of Israel traveled to Moscow. He's meeting there with Putin right now. Holy shit, man! Yeah, how about that? So, wow. Yeah, yeah, that just popped up while you were in the middle of the, uh, while you were in the middle of that. So, anyway, uh, Jeff Kenny talks about operational stuff. Jeff. Yep. Okay. Um, in the Kiev province, it's ongoing fighting in uh, these towns of Bucha. Hustamel, Borzel, and Makarev. And all these locations are to the west-northwest of uh, Kiev. It, it seems to be a uh, effort, coordinated effort to close off uh, uh, escape and reinforcement routes into the Kiev area. Um, the, uh, there's, there's no information on the status of that. I mean, no, no confirmed information on the status of the convoy that's been approaching Kiev from the north that everyone's been talking about. That has uh, you know tremendous amount of stuff and appears to be either out of gas, disorganized, you know, or for one reason or another they're not really moving or effectively blocked because they're not moving at all. Um, there's reports of confirmed missile strikes on the Bielitzerkva town that's to the southwest of Kiev, to the southwest of those other uh, places that are fighting ground fighting. This is uh, uh, you know missile strikes. Uh, it seems like it's preparatory for them to move down there. And again, the idea is to uh, to choke off Kiev, it seems to be for either for so they'll surrender or for you know future bargaining. Um, Russian troops are, are confirmed to have entered uh, 
the Malakayev uh, province. Um, that's also down by the Donetsk area, I think. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Russian authorities have been have said that early on today, early of five March, um, a ceasefire, temporary ceasefire, will be a fact in the in the parts of Marpil and Vaknova, which are both in the Donetsk province, the the uh, um, the uh, contested provinces that have actually been in a low-level state of fighting for since 2014 or so down there, and that uh, supposedly is a is a trigger for this whole thing, and. Uh, they want to establish it, or they say they want to establish a humanitarian corridor to allow for departure of civilians. But uh, there's no evacuation since at, at the time of this report. And uh, the ceasefire hasn't been observed by either side, apparently. So they're both shelling a hell out of each other down there. There's heavy fighting in both the Donetsk and the Lutbath provinces. Again, those those contested provinces that you know uh, were continue, have been continually uh, in a low level of uh, insurgency since 2014. The, uh, the, the Ukrainians are claiming that they've begun a counteroffensive in the Kharkov province, and uh, they pushed the Russians all the way to the border. Um, exact locations uh, and uh, you know casualties not been uh, reported on or confirmed if they have. There's still fighting going on in parts of uh, Sumy that you know Mac talked about last time I was on this thing. Uh, Kharkov itself, obviously, and uh, Chernikiv. Uh, shelling target in these provinces uh, continues to be reported. And uh, there's no new reports of uh, the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, no new reports of uh, either fighting, and there's claims that the Russians were going to mine this thing and and and, uh, and, and kind of hold the rest of the world hostage. You know, there's both, there's some outlandish claims coming out of both uh, out of both sides. I read a, a account of how this started from the Russian side, and they're saying that in 2014, under Barack Obama, the United States had a plan to put U.S. naval bases in Crimea, and only the intervention of uh, Russian forces kept that from happening. To me, that's ridiculous. You know? And that's the type of, that's right along with them claiming that there are Nazis, led, of course, by the Jewish president of Ukraine, that are you know, committing atrocities against Russian uh, ethnic uh, people in, uh, in, in the uh, environs of Ukraine. So, you know, the... Uh, the, uh, the Ukrainian security forces, they had a guy who was one of their officials, uh, part of the Ukrainian delegation. Um, the guy was exposed as a traitor, according to them, and uh, he was killed during a, an, op- an operation to try and catch him. So a little bit of, uh, little bit of indications of uh, the Ukrainians doing counter, uh, you know, counter espionage there. And uh, the, uh, on, on the, today... There's going to be a demo. They're already starting to gather um, uh, people for a, a pro-Ukraine process in Kyrgyzstan, which is in Kyrgyzstan province in Ukraine, to the west of uh, you know what we've been talking about. Yeah, um, I saw the headline that they're, they're the the civilians are protesting, and the city's already fallen to the. It's the city that's fallen to the Russians now. Nine days right, into right. the offensive, one city has fallen, and the and the citizens there are protesting. Jeff, let me just throw something. I mean. Electricity, if if you go to the, the post that I put up on a daily basis, there's links to two different maps, uh, websites, okay? One's run by the New York Times and the other one run by the uh, uh, BBC. Both of them are outstanding. The New York Times one, the maps are really good. And I'm a, you know, all of us, if you talk to us, like we're all map guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it, it has this graphic up there. Electricity generated in Ukraine by source. 54% of the electricity is nuclear. 16% is other. And 30% is coal. So you can see strategic you know, targets are those not only mm-hmm. for Ukraine, but also for the rest of Europe, as those, uh, those nuclear plants provide a lot. And what's going to be interesting is right. Germany is scheduled to close, I think, six of them down. And it'll be interesting to see if Germany relooks at that and says, you know what, uh, bad policy decision. We're not there yet, and uh, we're going to reverse that. And we'll find, hopefully, better ways to do it. But bottom line is events have intervened. And uh, we will countermand that order to close them, and we will keep them open, and we will solve most of our own energy crisis from within. But it's a good indication of how much power uh, Ukraine gets from uh, from nuclear uh, from nuclear sources. So, anyway, Jeff, any other thoughts before we move on to Will? Um, yeah the uh, the railways, Ukrainian railways um, are still operating. Believe it or not, and the so or the Russians are saying that they're letting them do that so they can get, you know, uh, third country nationals and uh, and uh, you know refugees out. But uh, they've they've moved like fifty eight thousand foreigners by rail through the Ukraine from the eastern part of Ukraine over the past uh, eight days. Wow. So that's kind of you know. And then the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense says that this is the last thing I got that uh, over sixty six thousand. Ukrainians have returned to the country in recent days and joined the fight. So there's a big stream of folks coming uh, west to east to help their country. And not only Ukrainians, but other third country nationals are ponying up to uh, sling lead in defense of Ukraine. You know, it's it's really interesting. If you look at the, there's a map in the New York Times website, and it, and it shows where the nuclear plants are and where coal plants are. Um, if you look at the map of, of, of the current, operational situation right now you'll see red where russian forces are um and um you can see efforts right um the zaprazasia um however you say that a nuclear plant is one effort where you see this dramatic move um from the border north and east to that and then you see one what i would call a salient Right. It's almost like a finger that sticks, you know, way out. And that is this other that is pointed at this other uh, uh, power plant, uh, nuclear power plant. And you can see, obviously, the Russian plan is we're going to get these things and then we're going to use, you know, electricity as a weapon and uh, and put more pressure on the population. There's two other nuclear power plants they are both in northwest. Um uh, the, the northwestern part of the, the country and well away from the fighting right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, and so if, if from Chernobyl, from, so so if you go from north to south, Belarus goes through Chernobyl, Chernobyl continues south to Kiev. Both these plants would be west of Chernobyl, uh, one northwest and one a little bit south-southwest of Chernobyl by, and by, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of miles. So those are the remaining operating plants uh, in in northwestern Ukraine. Well, yeah. So sort of some uh, economic things. You know, the White House had categor- categorically rejected 
uh, banning importation of Russian oil. Uh, Jen Pasaki said, well, it's only 10% of our imports. Uh, I would just suggest to her, just go without 10% of your oxygen, see how you're doing. Uh, but apparently, uh, they started considering it yesterday. And so oil popped 7%, gas is up 6%, oil's up 20% in a week. Closed yesterday at 116 uh, U.S. oil. Let me, um, hey, Will, let me ask you a question. How, how does one isolate Russian oil from the world market? Yeah, I mean, we could, we could, I, I suspect we could put sanction, right? And so that people cannot take cargoes, they wouldn't be able to refine it, um, you know, from the U.S. market. So the whole notion uh, of keeping Russian oil from the American market so we don't supply, support his war effort, the enforcement mechanism on, on that is? It would be it would be a sanction, and U.S. companies would would not put themselves in jeopardy. So that by, oil would by have to purchasing go... oil contracts, and the source exactly. of the oil is Russian. Yeah, and uh, so then the Russians have got to shift it. The Chinese are are buying Russian oil. Uh, they'll likely get a pretty decent discount when they do it. Uh, it it disrupts you know, the U.S. supply chain momentarily, but, you know, some data uh, about two years ago, the U.S. was pumping 13.1 million barrels a day. Uh, I think last week the count was 11.6. So we're down 10% in a little bit over a year. Um, And that number is just not going to go up. The U.S. oil companies are not incented to raise that number. Their stock prices are doing very well. Their shareholders are happy. They're returning capital to shareholders. They've de-risked their portfolios by not having so many long-term projects out there. Uh, the, The rigs that went down when COVID first hit, uh, you know, are mothballed and they're not going to come back online immediately. Uh, and why, as an oil company, would you make a three to five year investment when, as soon as this goes off the front page, you're going to be the villain again? And so so let, let me think- ask you this. How many years, because you've been in a business, the railroad business that is big capital business that has to project out years in terms of amortization of that investment, yada, yada, yada. Um, how many years would you think they would need a guarantee Right, so a law that would be passed that says you cannot rescind this, right, uh, before twenty thirty five. If 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 we I mean, if we if open this bigot, yeah. A, if you're a making a, I mean, if you're making a five billion dollar investment wow. in something, and uh, you know your return, what if your return is fifteen percent? I mean that's a four to five year payback minimum, minimum, right? Minimum. And these and oil projects, and we're not talking fracking type stuff, but but greenfield big time oil projects, yeah, they're they're those kind of billions, and then liquefied natural gas to build a uh, you know a strategic plant. We we had one outside our yard in Florida, 
that I think was a 40, 50 million dollar, maybe a hundred million dollar project, but it was tiny. Uh, so to have a, uh, a liquefied natural gas project that affects the way a country does energy is probably a minimum $3 billion investment. And it'd take a year and a half, two years to get it built. Can you so explain Can you explain overnight. liquefied natural natural gas to me? What What is that process? It, does it actually, and this is a stupid question, but it turns into some form of heavy, dense liquid, and then, and then it's yeah, taken in? Yeah, it comes out of the gas pipeline. They cool it all the way down so it's i've you know it's minus 200 degrees or some shit like that turns into a liquid and then you transport it so now think gas not very dense really big condense it transport it and then you regasify it at the other end that's the whole theory in florida we were doing stuff like uh we had the company that owned the railroad that I was involved with was trying to get some power plants throughout the Caribbean to turn into liquefied natural gas uh, because they were burning diesel down there and it's expensive to ship diesel. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a real thing. It absolutely works, but it's big time. And when the Germans said, well, we'll just take Russian gas through the pipeline. That sort of puts a damper on U.S. exporting liquefied natural gas to Europe. And now if the Germans want to shift that around, again, it'd take you a couple of years to build a fucking plant to accept the gas. So it doesn't turn on and off, you know, like a spigot. Um, what's so funny? Gas, liquid? Oh, they don't get the hand and arm signals when they're, when they're just on radio. <laughs> uh, item two on the economic side, I believe I've seen two numbers. The U.S. is debating a $4 billion or a $10 billion uh, aid package to Ukraine. Uh, the other part of the economics is we basically opened immigration, I believe, to Ukraine. This is a little bit anecdotal. Um, someone was telling me that Greg Gutfeld, a Fox guy, that his mother-in-law may be from Ukraine and she was able to get out. Uh, I have a, a guy I play cards with, uh, immigrated to the U.S. from Ukraine, I want to say in the 90s when he was about 10 years old. Um, his wife, I believe, is a more recent immigrant. He doesn't, he's Jewish, he doesn't have any family there that he knows of, but his wife's family that still has significant family there. And uh, they, they're very optimistic that several of those people are going to immigrate. And, and why do I talk about this economically? The idea that we're going to give $10 billion and only $10 billion to Ukraine is complete fucking horseshit. Once that spigot opens up, that flow never stops. And uh, there's 40 million people in Ukraine. Um, right now, it appears the destination of choice is Poland. I don't know why, but I saw a map of that. But any single one of them, they can get to the U.S. is going to want to come. And for some reason, uh, we're going to open that up. And immigration, I used to think it was a zero-sum game, right? You only have so much immigration. If you let this guy in, you don't let that guy in. That's probably bullshit. I mean, um, oh, yeah. so expect that significant immigration. Um, some unrelated news. Uh, one of the great memes of the week 
uh, was from the uh, Babylon Bee. Vladimir Putin to receive Nobel Prize for medicine for curing COVID. <laughs> right. And so Drudge Report puts their puts data up. I don't know what their source is, but they basically say COVID. Uh, March of 4th of 2021, 67,000 cases in the U.S. March of 4th of 2022, 50,000 cases. So down, what's that, about 20, 20-odd percent, 25, 20-something yeah, percent deaths. Basically the same, March 4th of 2022 and 2021. Same number of deaths. COVID has not fundamentally changed in a year. We'll say that again. COVID has not fundamentally changed in a year. And it's got, there's there's no discussion of it. So Vladimir Putin cured COVID. A little bit too much reality, dude. What the hell? uh, uh, and, and, And here's... This is a thing that I'm trying to think of. When we gave stingers to the Mooge, right? It was a game changer, big deal. Ex- can but you explain when, when we gave so stingers when, to the Mooge? So when Reagan administration gave the Stinger anti-air missile to the Afghan Mujahideen to fight the Soviets, it was considered a game-changing event, right? Correct. And then fast forward uh, several years, and we we had a worry of where some of those stingers were. So as we provide aid to the Ukrainians, what does what the end state look like? Is there a possible end state where the Russians uh, are going to continue to occupy the eastern provinces, part of the north, et cetera, and that maybe some sort of peacekeeping force gets inserted in there under UN auspices or maybe something like that happened in the Balkans and that Ukraine, the, the rump of Ukraine becomes somehow a client or a dependent of the U.S. Uh, in the meantime, we ship significant military technology there. The idea of sending F-35 to the Finns, who have not been our allies, right? Where are we in 10 or 15 or 20 years? Because 10 or 15 or 20 years is going to be here pretty soon. Think about it. 20 years ago in 2002. You know, we all well, remember let's hope it doesn't get here pretty soon. I mean, yeah, I mean, it will be here, though. Yeah. And so I because it will be here without the, us. So fuck slow, slow yeah. your roll, dude. Well, without you, I'm I'm the young man of the group. Uh, the the you'll, absolute, hey, <laughs> you'll be dead before most of us will. No way. I yeah, gamble, gambling adds about 10 percent. It purifies my system. Um, and the only stress I get is having to deal with you. Fucking, it used to be only once a week. Anyways. Oh, my God. Uh, Somewhere in the state of New York, somebody just hit the floor, okay? Just for the record. Yeah. Anyway, go bonding. Uh, we need to go bonding with know, Will. Where... You kiss your mother with that mouth? Where is the description of the preferred end state? And again, all the sympathy, sympathy in the world for the people in Ukraine and... Putin is the bad guy here, right? Yeah. But in the U.S., what is our interest? What do we want to see? What does the end state that is the best case scenario for the United States, and are we driving that way? And and I continue to see, it, you know, and, and the last one, which it's uh, – it, it makes some sense, I think, but I'm not sure. The idea that 
we're attempting to get the Iranians into another nuclear deal. And one of our negotiating partners are the Russians, Russians yeah. to do that. And so I, I, I don't know. Um, okay, let, I have this. I, I, may be I have a, this. When oh. you say rim shot, this is what comes to mind. Okay, this. Did you hear that rim shot? When you when you say no. Okay. Now you're you're not on our track. All right, there's a rim shot that just get played that everybody else will hear. You guys will not. But but it's a joke. The fact that we you would know, think strategically, right, and in long term consequences, it is. For instance, why is the United States now? You had the Speaker of the House come out and say we need we need to stop importing Ru Russian oil. Why? Because of the hue and cry of the masses. Because their little fucking fine tune dial isn't isn't being heard by the American public. And the American public says, what the fuck are we doing financing this war by buying their oil? It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with what's in the best interest. This is a policy decision, political type, made by the Biden administration to placate the left wing of the Democratic Party, and they say it's not in our interest. It is not in their political interest. In the nation's interest, it is certainly right in the nation's interest to be more energy independent, but we're not there yet relative to green infrastructure and the forces there fucks everybody over. And so this narrative that's now getting shoved down their throat, right, is nothing strategic. It's only political. And that's the way we fucking do this. And that's why we're a fucked up nation. I, I just say one thing. That's why I'm Greg gonna, Newbold gonna, should be the president. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing and then I'm going to go on mute. What? Have you heard any official... You, any elected official on either side or any member of the government give a thoughtful discussion of what this is about and where we need to be. Have you heard no, a no. Brent Scowcroft, Colin Powell, yeah. um, you know, have you, Condoleezza Rice, whether you like her, uh. have you heard a thoughtful person in the government or an elected official no you've heard you, you see i mean let's not talk about the president the vice president the 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 president's spokeswoman uh who you know just banality that comes off senators on both sides of the aisle saying just beyond stupid crap oh, yeah. nancy pelosi all i mean there is well, the answer the answer is this no they're all chasing the virtue signal ball like a bunch of six-year-olds just started playing soccer. And, uh, and, and nothing, else to my rant, said, boys. You know, nothing else is being said about this because, uh, you know, they, you, you got to get your bona fides in as somebody who, who, who uh, weeps for Ukraine. Like, but again, th this is no change. This is no change from what we saw in Afghanistan, right? All we're doing is we're reacting to news headlines so that we can placate the people that voted for us. It, it is the most weak-kneed, horseshit leadership, and that's what this country gets all the fucking time. All the fucking time. All right, what are you looking for in the next 24 hours? Timmy? I, I'm, if, if in 24 hours from now we're still at a static position generally on the ground with, the, with these various pictures that are moving, if all we've gotten is a little bit of lateral movement around Kiev and that's it from the Russians, man, I'm, I'm t the longer this goes on, the more I'm just shaking my head I'm in, in utter amazement. If, if that continues to hold, Ukraine's going to continue to hold, and this thing's going to get long and drawn out. 
long and drawn out. So your question is, is this now the status quo because the Russians don't have enough ass to do more than what they've done? Which which has been uh, us talking about, like, yeah, you've encircled it, now what? Just gonna, the only card to be played is shell the civilian population and hope they submit, right? And it's, and it's the only thing that we've been able to reliably predict because it's the only thing that's happening for for which the, we're, we're still got a, a, a memory that's valid. You know, the, the, how you do stuff militarily is not gonna change. But everything else, as far as politically, how the EU's reacting, what the hell Finland's doing, we're on we're on way the hell out in uncharted territory. So it's very difficult to look into the future when things are just so goddamn weird right now. Although they seem normal, this is weird. But the they've almost but they've almost gone static, right? Yeah. I mean, you're exactly. not seeing much movement yeah. at all. And so the yeah, question uh, is, you know, for the Russians, is this some kind of operational pause? But because it's last, <laughs> it's lasted too fucking long, right? I mean, you don't yeah, operationally right. pause this long, or have the Ukrainians fought them to a standstill? Right. right. So interesting. They, they keep on staying so, in the same place for much longer. Right. They're going to get their asses handed to them. One would yeah. hope. One would hope. Jeff, uh, next twenty-four hours. What are you interested in? Okay, I see more violations of the law of war by Russia. Right. Um, but again, I think what you see, what you're seeing, I see uh, setbacks. Though I see tactical setbacks. Uh, that inflicted upon them by the Ukrainians. What you got right now is is as if as if Hitler, instead of having the Wehrmacht, had the Italian army and was trying to invade Poland. Uh, you know, the the Poles fought back as hard as they could with what they had. You know, and they lasted for about you know a couple of weeks, and they they did some damage to the Germans that of course wasn't really publicized. The Germans weren't going to do it. But what you have now is you have a guy who thinks like Hitler, but he's his tool is not the tool that Hitler had. It's it's Hitler with Mussolini's shitty fucking army, and so and they're and they're getting embarrassed at every turn. And the Poles uh, inflicted like fifty thousand casualties. I don't know if Russia can handle fifty thousand dead dudes. Fifty thousand yeah, so, KIA. Yeah, that's right, KIA. Yeah. yeah, right. That's a lot of so, dead guys. Yeah, that's what I that's what I think. Let me, I just want to read. I sent this out to everybody yesterday, but there's an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. It's the first one I've seen of its of its uh, of its kind, it's, and it's got a great picture of a of a Ukrainian soldier, right, smoking a cigarette. You can see smoke on the horizon. It's just it's an awesome fucking picture. Headline: Ukraine special forces hold off Russian uh, offensive on Kiev's front line. And uh, and I sent this is what I sent out that I read to it. Uh, quote. We're in shock at how dumb their behavior is. Another member of the Ukrainian Special Forces Unit who has been going on missions in the area every night. His unit, he said, has lost two soldiers since the war began nine days ago and killed more than 60 Russians in recent days. Quote, now we're, we mostly focus on hitting their rear, their supply convoys, because if they don't get fuel, they can't do anything. Morale among the Ukrainian defenders was high in Irpin, which is northwest of Kiev on Friday, as even a Russian attack airplane flew low over a housing sound, uh, housing block, and sounds of artillery landing close got closer and closer. And so the article in 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 the, in the journal kind of documents what these guys have been doing, how they're fighting, and it was interesting their comments uh, about the Russian military. And so kind of to, to back what both Tim and Jeff were interested in, you know, this operational pause is now steam like. Are we now like on the Western Front in World War One? This is these are the, this these are where the lines are, and what's going to 
to to change something. And so I would throw my two cents in with both uh, Tim and, and Jeff saying, I'm looking for indicators that show that something else is about to happen, right? Is there another movement, you know, on Odessa? You know, do the Russians have the ass to do it? Because, you know, you, you read stories about their logistics being fucked up. Well, let me tell you, if your logistics are fucked up, you're fucked up, right? And one of the things in that article that they talked about was the Russian soldiers foraging for food in in the suburbs of Kiev, you know, and going into people's houses, taking food and whatnot. That's not a good sign, right, if that's what your soldiers are doing. And so um, so anyway, I again, indicators. Getting their water from streams, always a good move. <laughs> the, the, um, but again, indicators that connote that something else is about to happen or this status quo that we've seen um, is about to change. Uh, but you haven't seen a lot of war combat reporting other than, you know, big stuff. You know, this city's holding. Um, and I'd be curious to see uh, somebody interview a, a Ukrainian general or something that says, let me show you what we've done here. Let me show you what we're doing. I, I, I'd really love to see something like that. I, I put a picture from that article in our little chat function here. Kind of, You pull it up and it validates that you're looking at guys who are the real deal. And the way I say, the way I know that is, one of those guys has got his MRE spoon sticking in his flat jacket on, a, on his flat jacket <laughs> sitting out there. Yeah, that, yeah, that dude's been in the field for a while. But the guy to the left of him has got a bunch of shit in his vest that looks to me to be artillery fuses. I've, I ran into those in, in, in Nimrod's province in, in Afghanistan uh, once. We, we, had, we, we went down for the G9 and took pictures and showed them what the police were talking about. And I think, I don't know what that means, but I would think if those are what I think they are, that cat's going around and, and he's booby trapping our, our dud our artillery shells, something like that. I mean, that's who knows what they're doing. But that looks to me like artillery fuses in his in his vest. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. next 24 hours, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'll be in. It'll be interesting to see who shows up on the Sunday shows tomorrow, what they say. Um, the. You know, as as oil has gone up, uh, OPEC had a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and they were looking to uh, allocate, um, you know, greater production. And I, I think they were a little bit reluctant to do it. Right? OPEC wants the price to be higher, but there is a price that's too high for OPEC because once the oil price goes to a certain level. What happens is they call demand destruction. Basically, economic activity falls off due to the high price of oil, which means they end up being able to sell less oil for a lower price. And so I would think that, you know, the last thing uh, that the president can have, I mean, it's March. You know, the midterms are, are, are today as far as politicians go but if if oil i think they talk demand destruction at like 140 or 135 so if oil goes there and it tips the u.s into a recession um that doesn't become evident recession remember is is contraction of gdp i think for two consecutive quarters right. so if those numbers came out uh sometime this summer 
you know, bloodbath with the Democrats at the polls. And so how does he square that circle of the clamoring for a banning importation of Russian oil from, from all points of the political spectrum now, the requirement to vilify big oil from the hard left, um, the suburban mom who believes in recycling and green energy so that the, the seas don't boil over and drown her suburb in Indianapolis or Kansas City or wherever. Um, how do you pursue the U.S. national interest on the security side amongst all of this? And it would be nice if the president went home to Delaware this weekend, if they got the adults in the room and figured out what in the fuck we're supposed to be doing and had a credible, thoughtful, measured person lay out some coherent vision for where we are at the United States. Do you so, want me? Do you want me to play the rim shot? The right famous, there? Is, yeah, is that famous. What you're the hell's he talking? Man about? once said to me, "If you want a dream to come true, you got to have a dream." So there's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fucking dream. Uh, um, this yeah, that's, uh, a, that's keep... a JF Dunfordism right there. Oh, there you go. Hey, well, now it's to come true. You got to have a dream. It's a great dream, uh, no doubt. I mean, it's something that we would hope for. Um, last thing I'll throw in here before we get, we get out of here is. Uh, this is an intelligence update from the United Kingdom's Defense Intelligence Department. Russia's proposed ceasefire in Maripol was likely an attempt to deflect international condemnation while resetting its force for renewed offensive activity. By accusing Ukraine of breaking the agreement, Russia is likely seeking to shift responsibility for current and future civilian casualties in the city. And so it goes. Right? And so it goes. Is that your shocked face? That was your shocked face when you read that. Disgusted right? face, right? No, that's just like it's it's the way it is, right? It's this is all right, the dance of the iguana, right? It's the kabuki dance. It is it is it's all bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. All right. On that note, thank you very much. That'll do it on a Saturday. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm going to be traveling here in the next few days, so not sure what the schedule will bring. I'll, we'll do our best to continue to to do this. They might not start at zero eight every morning. So uh, anyway, have a great Saturday. I'm Mike McMurray. This is All Marine Radio. I'm out.